0: well I, i'm from cleveland mississippi so i'm um, in the heart of the delta in mississippi so there again it goes back to if you want to be like everybody else then just do what they're doing and you'll be like everybody else but if you want to be who you different than everybody else then you got to do different things today we discuss
1: the journey of one of the greatest pitmasters in barbecue His journey from going from Cleveland, Mississippi to barbecuing in some of the most prominent competitions and occasions like the James Beard House and the TV show Chopped. What it takes to have patience in your craft, how Craig hunts alligators and much more. Episode 40 with Craig, the barbecue ninja Verhaga, begins now. I wanna start off this episode by talking about the first time we got to know each other because I think that this is gonna lead into more of where this overall episode's gonna go and speak more to the the character that I admire about you and that's that I had started a job in corporate America many years ago and on my very first job, you out of nowhere called me and was like, hey, in, in most basic terms, how can I serve you? How can I help your mission? this is who I am, this is what I offer, this is my vision, and it's so crazy to me that we're now sitting down years later, and I now know you as a man, and know that that was not any BS by any means. You meant every word you said, and now you're actually fulfilling that mission, and you've been fulfilling that mission. So tell me about, like, what goes into a guy, Craig Verhaga, the barbecue ninja, calling some random 20-something-year-old kid in Atlanta, Georgia, out of nowhere and saying, Hey, this is what I'm about. I want to help you. Like, like talk to me about your mindset into just you and barbecue as a whole, you as a man, just like, just cause that doesn't happen anymore. And maybe that's cause I'm of the generation that's still, I'm about to transition into my thirties, but like everyone just kind of like stays with their head down and no one really reaches out to people anymore.
0: So. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we, we had been as you bonds as 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 a team we've been representing royal oak for several years and uh we had offered royal oak our services as far as marketing for them and helping them we're like we we can do things for you you know we can put things out there for you let us help you well y- you know it just it seemed to us like it was falling on deaf ears but what we didn't really realize is they didn't have a marketing department Yeah, (laughs) you know it was a, a a multi-million dollar company that you know they they didn't have that and uh so when you started you know i found out kind of just through my connections and everything hey royal oak has hired a marketing guy somebody that is over marketing and uh his name is eric savage of course that's you and um i was like well well, cool. You know, that, that's a huge step. You know, now we've we've got somebody there. We've got somebody that, that you know, we can help, and they can help us, and we can, you know, help grow this brand and because uh, it's one that we really believed in and really passionate about, and it was exciting to us. So, you know, I found out, you know, th- who you were, and, of course, I got your email, and I was like, well, you know, I'm going to fire an email to this guy. You know, I didn't know you. By, you could have been a 50-year-old man. I didn't know you were a 25, 6-year-old man or however you, old you were. And, and you know, kind of let them know who we are, who I am. And, you know, at the time, um, you know, I did have a vision in barbecue that, you know, uh, being someone at events, being a presence at events, and being a presence for a brand at an event or events (plural) and, and and helping market that through the people I know and the people that I knew and and the connections I had in the business. I've been doing it for twenty-something years, so uh, you know I cooked with Poppy and U Bonds and and very well-respected team in the in the barbecue world. So um i mean you were new so it was like just let me send an email and let them know that hey you know we're here we've represented this brand very for many years we're here to help uh we'd love to help you you're you're gonna need uh you you know you're gonna need that those boots on the ground those connections and the people that we know of course i've been cooking for 20 something years poppy been cooking for 30 something years so it's like they, they know who we are and uh everybody does kind of and not and so that's why i sent the email and i was like hey you know if you need some help you, you need to know somebody or you need to to uh, just just let me know and also i let you know kind of what what i had a vision of being that person being that kind of uh, uh face of the brand or something like that through my barbecue ninja brand and and uh, you know and and that's when i made that contact and uh and it was your first day on the job um but we were just so excited that now royal oak had a marketing department you know a marketing person and they're making an investment in marketing because uh, you know that was not something for several years that it happened so um anyway you know and then you know there you were and, uh, and of course you you know it moved fast for you <laughs> yep. and uh and, and so you, you were new to the industry you were new to barbecue you were new you know and of course a younger guy um i know you had your struggles you you had your uh the the acceptance of it the you know all and i knew that was going to be an you know be be an issue you know i knew it was going to be a problem but you learned pretty quick You know, being smart that if you kind of hooked up with us and, and let us kind of bring you into the world and the barbecue world and, and, uh, you, you would be, you know, a little more, uh, a lot more, um visible and a lot more accepted so to speak and and uh and that's you know you came on in there and uh and figured out that man i just wasn't trying to (laughs) shoot some smoke at you you know i just wasn't you know asking trying to say i need a job or something i i mean I, i was like dude you're gonna need some help and you know we can we can help you and uh and and yeah i was i was i was genuine in that offer i didn't even know you who you were from anybody but just knowing that, that, that was going to be needed and us being representatives of Royal Oak and us, you know, believing in that brand was willing to do that for you.
1: Talk to me about your journey. And I know this is a little bit of a loaded question. And, and for those listening that don't know Craig or I, this was, this conversation we're talking about actually took place, uh, almost four and a half years ago in, in January of 2017, but. I think people listening today, whether you relate to barbecue, whether you relate to Craig, whether you relate to I, we're all thinking about our vision for maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's about financial freedom, maybe it's a business, maybe it's about being a content creator, whatever it is, we all have these things that we aspire to be. And I think very few of us actually ever, I think it's such a blessing in life to get to attain to that thing. And I don't want to even say that you've actually attained where uh, your original vision was, because I think that you still have the sky is the limit for you. And I, I'm super excited to continue to support you, you through that. But I think that you in the last, you know, 12 to 24 months have, have taken a massive step from where you were on that phone call with me four years ago. So what has that journey been like for you? What have you learned about continuing to pursue the thing that you aspire to be in? Because I think so many people and, and I, I know I have even learned from you of just you continuing to show up to put yourself out there day in and day out of certain things may or certain people have let you down or things fell through. And rather than you kind of feeling bitter without speaking for you, I'm going to let you share that story or however much or little you want to share. Like you've continued to pursue that passion. And I think that there's something that all of us, like I said, regardless of what our goal is, can, can learn from you. So what has that journey been like? What has it been like to deal with those disappointments to have the patience to, stay in this for you know you talked about 20 something years you've been cooking so what what is that what have you learned from that what can we learn from you
0: well I, you know you you have to be persistent you have to be consistent you have to you know you, you do have to have visions you do have to have goals you do have to have things that you want to attain if you just you know move day to day and you don't look beyond the next hour the next minute the next second if you don't look beyond that then you 're just you' you're gonna exist and you you want to do more than just exist I mean you want to exist and and you want to aspire people you want to if you've got a talent you need to show it you know you need to to inspire people to to do better to cook better and in, and in, in, in the cooking world but you know it's just something early on about barbecue and the people in barbecue that that I latched on to and uh you know you knew poppy very well that was you know my mentor and and you know the way you treat people that's that's a big thing you know you you know you treat people how you expect to be treated and that's going to go a long way in life every day you know that if you do that every day you'll go a long way um and so You know, it's just one of those things. I've had some good things happen. You surround yourself with good people. Um, You know, there's a lot of toxic people out there. Um, I just don't have time for them. You know, it's just, you know, yeah, I can be friendly with you. I I can be your friend. But I'm not going to surround myself by you if you're toxic because you're, you're you, you got to be positive you, you got to be you know wanting to to do better in life and and every day's a blessing you just got to understand that too because you know there's there's people that don't make it to the next day and uh and so you got to get all you can out of it and if you uh you know if you decide you're gonna have a bad day well you're gonna have one but you get if you make your mind up you're gonna have a good day well you're gonna have a good day so uh, but but as far as, you know, my brand and what I've done with that, it's just uh, it's one of those things that I don't know. It's almost like light bulbs go off on your head, you know, type deal. It's it's like, you know, when 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 you see somebody react to something, you know, you 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 have to understand why they got that reaction or you got to understand, you know, why what they heard or what they saw meant something to them and 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 you know expand on that or play on that or uh take it not really the word take advantage of that but uh but it's uh it's understanding what what it is and and also um you know going forward with it and not being scared to go forward with it yeah I've been put myself out there but um you know I feel like Feel like i'm a good person and i feel like that you know i've always felt if somebody don't like me they've got a problem you know i don't try to give anybody a, a reason not to like me but um but yeah i mean you know the barbecue's taking me all over the world i've cooked in australia um i've, I've cooked in the james beard house you know i've, I've done just wild stuff that a <laughs> a redneck from cleveland mississippi you you just kind of you know shake your head about it you're like How'd that happen? You know, it's like Leslie and I went to Australia. You know, we got off the plane. We kind of looked at each other like, you know, just threw our hands up. You know, it's like, oh, my God, you know, here we are. You know, two two folks cook barbecue in Mississippi that, you know, we're we're two featured pitmasters in Australia. You know, have, that's the other side of the world. And, uh, and then same thing when we cooked in the James Beard house. I mean, Leslie and I were just like, we we were walking on a cloud the whole time we were there. I mean, best chefs in the world have cooked in this place, and here we are, featured, in the James Beard House in New York. So, um, but but then again, it's 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 being humble. You know, it's it's like, I mean, I'm just sitting here with you, and hanging out. I mean, it's like I'm no better than you are. I'm no better than anyone else. Um, but I've just been lucky, you know and blessed. That's
1: amazing. I, I think you touched on something that even I have to remind myself every day, and I know people listening definitely struggle with this idea that I think sometimes it's so much easier for us to think about all the things we're missing than the things we have, and it's so much easier for us to look at the excuses that the world gives us for whatever reason, where we were born, what our bank account looks like, what whatever that thing is, and we can either choose to accept that narrative and say, you know what, this is the best it's ever going to get for me. I'm from Cleveland, Mississippi. Like this this is it for me. Or we can look at, you know, it And and I think that you have expanded what I think most people would think looking at you walking down the side of the street. And that's, I think it's a compliment to you. It's not knocking you, but I want to learn more about, cause you touched on it so amazingly of Again, there's just so many people that I've looked at, even in my journey as a photographer, coming from nowhere, not having the skills to being a content creator, to doing this podcast, doing, and there's all these steps that were, either people have said it to you or the little voice in your side of less, you know, in your ear that you could easily just accept and say, you know what, this is it for me, but I continue to show up, and that is a big part of your story too. So, what was it going back? And again, obviously, I think hindsight's twenty twenty, and so it's it's not like you were like, yeah, you know what, I'm gonna be this barbecue ninja character or whatever because you you spoke on it yourself and you're such a humble guy and i can affirm that in you that that truly is you and you truly truly i feel like just get up every day trying to do the best you can but what was it uh, about being from kind of the middle of nowhere if you don't mind me saying like you you could have just chosen any other life you're you're uh you know you have many brothers that unless i'm wrong aren't in barbecue space like what was it about that journey for you that you were like I want to do something different. I want to be more for my life, or I just want to continue to show up rather than kind of accepting that narrative of this is where I'm from, and this is kind of what the rest of my life is. And now you talked about it. James Beard, you you know, you've been on Chopped. You didn't mention that. You've been on these massive things. I mean, you're you're one of the biggest faces in barbecue right now, and you're not from Nashville, Tennessee. You're not from Austin, Texas. You're not from Kansas City, Missouri, where all these barbecue capitals are. Like, you are truly living in your own wake if you will and creating your own wake and i think that's amazing and i think there's so many people myself included that need to learn from people like you that are continuing to not accept what life is giving them and saying here's the box that you have to live in as craig but instead you're like i want to be
0: more than this well you know i've I've said many times that if you if you Aspire to be like everybody else, then you're going to be like everybody else. But you know, if you want to be your own person, you want to do your own thing, you want to to be more than everybody else. Then you know, you got to you got to do it. You know, and nobody's going to do it for you. And um, and it's just like in the barbecue world, I, I try to I, I try to carve my own space. Um, you know, I cook with you, Bonds. Uh, you know, I was I was Gary Roach's protege for many years. But it came to a point you know i was like okay you know it's I, i've got to i, I got to do my thing you know I, i've got to if something happens to U bonds and they go away i want to be in the barbecue world really for the rest of my life is the way i'm looking at it so i've got to do something to make myself marketable or make myself have my space um i can't you know stay in the U bond space uh, forever what if something happens and they go away? Well, I don't want to go away. Um, So that's when the, you know, the barbecue ninja brand came, came about. And, you know, the whole story, I was in New York and they were filming, there was a film crew there and, and I I always wear a bandana and I always wear sunglasses when I cook and I was off to the side and I was putting the bandana on and I put the sunglasses on, turn around, there's a camera right, you know, just right there. And actually the cameraman said, you know, the barbecue ninja arises and uh you know at the time it was you know it was just kind of a nickname is is really what it was didn't really embrace it didn't really uh you know take it and at at that time I didn't see you know what I could do with that and uh it was it was when we went to New York Leslie and I went to New York I mean not New York but to Australia and we were in Australia and that's that's how they introduced me there um as the barbecue ninja and and that that was one of those reaction times you know i saw the crowd react i saw the people you know oh barbecue ninja you know okay uh, this is this is there's something to this and uh and of course before i got on the plane to go to australia is when i got the call that i was going to go on to chop you know chop grill masters and do that food network show And I said, well, you know, I've got to capitalize on this. You know, I'm fixing to go on national TV. You know, these people have reacted to this barbecue ninja. So so when I got back from Australia is when I, you know, changed my Instagram to the BBQ Ninja. Um, I started working on a logo, which, you know, Aaron Campbell actually hit hit it out of the park first time. Kind of sent her an idea. She sent me, you know, my current logo back and. It was just, you know, it was a mic drop m- moment. You know, you looked at it and you were like, "Well, that's me." You know, that that's perfect. That that is my look. You know, the beard, the sunglasses, the the bandana, and so I was like, "Listen, you know, it's time to run with this." So, I did, and, and, and that's you know, I was on Chop Grill Masters, and that, that's how they introduced me on there, the Barbecue Ninja, and and so you know, things really started started rolling, and with your help, which was was. Uh, well needed at the time and well appreciated, and and still has uh, been big. And and what I'm doing is 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 with the social media and the establishment of a Facebook page and and the help with the Instagram and just everything you did for me to really take things to a whole nother level. And uh, we got to do something like that again. So <laughs> I need that next level. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, and, and just having fun with it and 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 you know really thinking. You know, I do some cool stuff. You know, I travel the country. I do events all over the country. You know, New York, Denver, um, Kansas City, New Orleans, Chicago. Um, I know I'm forgetting some places, but uh, but several places, You know, and so I was just like, and a hunt. You know, I've got that part of what I do, and and also want to you know bring in the the hunting world with the barbecue world and. And so I was like, well, you know, that's kind of what I'm going to start showing, you know, showing what I do. And and so that, uh, you know, that attracted a good crowd. Um, And then not long after that's kind of when I was in New York. This is a good story, too. Um, We did the Big Apple Barbecue Block Party, which brought in a couple hundred thousand people in a weekend in, in, you know, Manhattan, New York on Madison Avenue. And. One morning I was we had our grills out front because we would smoke chicken wings and we'd take them from the smoker to the charcoal grill which we were running Royal Oak charcoal on and you know to finish them off on the grill with our sauce and um, and there was always you know a line of people I mean there would be a hundred yard long line people would wait there and wait there for food and so the grills kind of out front was going to be our show. You know, we were going to, you know, have the people watch us grill stuff while they wait in line. But that morning, I was I was starting the the fire with a flamethrower, you know, one of these weed burners. I call it a flamethrower. And when I started it going and started lighting the fire, I look up and there's like, you know, 10 people with their phone out, you know, videoing me starting the fire with this flamethrower. And that was one of those moments, (laughs) you know, you're like, Hey, man, you know, if, if these folks think this is this cool, me just starting a fire. Well, you know, I had a friend also, Skip Steele, well, at their restaurant, they actually put a torch on their wings when they finish them to set the sauce on the wings. I said, well, I think I'm fixing to put this flamethrower on these wings when we put them on the grill. And uh, so for two days, I held that flamethrower and flamethrow. Flame through. I think that's a that's that's a word. It may not be, but if it's not, I'm gonna make it one today. Um, 18,000 chicken wings. And, you know, both of my shoulders were like blown out because I was holding this, you know, flamethrower above my head. And, and but for two days, I had people literally video cameras, pictures, you know, they just they were all over that show. And um, and that's another thing I say all the time. if you're gonna be in the circus, you might as well be the monkey. and uh so so I mean we do these events and we vend, and you know you're I mean you want to put on a show. I mean, that's what people are there for they're there they barbecue, but they also want to you know see the people that cook it and how they do it. Well, we were doing it right out in front of them. and so that's kind of when that became my one of my mos too is the flame thrower and how I do chicken wings well. All that kind of went to another level <laughs> because I alligator hunt, you know, um, I hunt and harvest alligators. I clean them, I process them, and I do all that. Well, um, not long after that, well, same year, um good friend of mine, Matt Pittman with uh, Meat Church, wanted me to come and, and do a class with him. I said, all right, cool, you know, I can do that. And, um, he said, well, I want you to do wild game because that's, you know, I cook wild game, I hunt them and I harvest everything. And that's, that's kind of what I preach. I do everything humanely. We, we, you know, we, we feed the animals to make sure they're healthy, but we also, you know, take them and, and process them and their food for our family's table. So it's really important to us to, to do everything right when it comes to that. But he said, come and cook some wild game. I said, all right, I've got dishes, you know, with duck and deer. And then he's like. I want you to cook a whole alligator. And I was like, well, you know, I hadn't done that yet. But, you know, to me, cooking's simple. It's just time and temperature, you know, especially when you're cooking on a grill or a smoker. You just got how long you're going to cook it, what temperature you're going to cook it, and get it done. So then I, you know, for that class, I cooked a whole alligator. And um, it turned out good. And so – The next couple of events I was going to and they were like, hey, why why don't you cook an alligator at this event? It's like, all right, I can do that. Well, you know, of course, I had to put that flamethrower on that alligator. So who else is, you know, out here in front of people, you know, cooking, smoking an alligator and putting a flamethrower on it? Well, nobody, you know, I'm doing that. But that's that goes back to what you're saying is, is you, you got to do something that makes you. Different than everybody else. I mean, everybody else is cooking a good rib. Everybody else is cooking a good brisket. Everybody else is cooking some good pulled pork. But nobody else is putting a flamethrower on an alligator, you know. And so that became uh, an, an attraction. That became one of my, you know, several things that I got known for. And uh, and then of course I, I could go through the stories of actually harvesting you know an 11 12 foot alligator and cleaning it myself and processing the meat you know and uh and so you know I got the stories to go with what I'm doing it's not like I'm just cooking I actually you know hunt them you know and and it's just it's crazy sometimes you know people look at me and just like this dude is crazy but it's it's not I mean it's adrenaline rush and it's something I enjoy but there again it goes back to If you want to be like everybody else, then just do what they're doing and you'll be like everybody else. But if you want to be who you different than everybody else, then you got to do different things.
1: I think my follow-up question is probably a pretty obvious one. If you're listening or if you're in the audience listening right now, you're like, please ask this question. I think a lot of people aspiring to be hunters would say, yeah, it'd be great if we were a deer hunter. I think if you think that you're a hardcore hunter, you'd probably say, yeah, I'm a duck hunter. Uh, But then we have this new category of the Barbecue Ninja that says, I'm going to hunt alligators. I I don't think anyone generally just types in a Google search and says, what should I hunt today? And alligators at the top of the list. So tell me, how did you ever get into alligator hunting? What is the process of hunting an alligator? I just want to know all the things alligator hunting, because to your point, I've been with you at some of these barbecue events and you whip out the alligator and it's like, you're like David Blaine performing a street, you know, trick magic, and everyone like stops in their track and wants, to, is that actually an alligator? And even people listening are like, wait, what? So, so tell me that story. How would you ever even get the idea of alligator
0: hunting, and and what goes even into an alligator hunt? Well, I, I'm from Cleveland, Mississippi, so um, in the heart of the Delta in Mississippi. So, uh, me and some buddies, we got in a hunting camp that is actually in Chatham, Mississippi, and on our on this hunting camp, there's like a thirty acre lake and on this 30 acre lake is some really big alligators um it's 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 a lake off of the mississippi river so um and and it's it just it's full of big alligators so when we got in this hunting camp we knew they were there and we and alligator hunting was starting to get kind of popular in mississippi and if you if you public hunt, you got to get in a draw and you got to get a tag drawn. So it's kind of luck of the draw. And uh, with us having this lake on our hunting camp, we could get private landowner tags, which are the guy that owns our hunting camp could apply for those. And once you get approved, all you got to do is pay the the amount of, for the permit, and you get them automatically. So we were like, we got alligators. We know we can get a permit to hunt them. Let's do it and so we we uh we decided to do it and uh a few of the guys they actually make you go through a class before you hunt them and they kind of go through in the class of what you're supposed to do um now the way you see them on tv with swamp people you know hanging chicken or hanging you know bait and the alligator swallows it and they're they're hung on the line and when you come back they're just right there well that's not how we do it in mississippi you know that's totally different uh we go out at night in a boat and we go on the lake and we've got a spotlight and you go across the water and their eyes will shine when you hit their eyes with the spotlight so that's how you see them and uh and you get the you got to kind of sneak up on them um you got a trolling motor that's quiet and uh and so you get as close as you can usually 20 or 30 yards and then you've got a throw rod with a treble hook and a braided line so you're basically throwing a bass rod you know with a treble hook and and, and it's just a snag it's a you want to you know initially snag it And so that's what you do. You know, I'm usually the one on the front and and doing that. So you throw it over its back and reel it in. And when you feel it bump, you know, you jerk the pole and you want to set that hook in the alligator. Once it's in that hide, it's not – well, it'll come out, but it's hard for it to come out. And you hang on. Um, because depending on how big the alligator is, you know, is going to be how it's going to, uh, make sure you have the the drag set on the pole, because if not, it'll pull the pole out of your hand or pull you in the water or whatever it'll do, but you want to have the drag set. So it'll pull line and you just hang on until you wear the alligator down. And once you wear it down, it sinks to the bottom and you situate the boat over the top of where the alligator is. And then we've got bigger, like deep sea fishing poles with bigger hooks and you know stronger line on it, and we also have a throw rope with a really big treble hook on it, and you throw it out and you drag the bottom until you hit the alligator that's sitting on the bottom, and when you do that, you you know you jerk it and set the hook in it. Well, once you do that, you've got a lot more leverage with the you know the stronger poles and the and the stronger uh, rope on the, the treble hook, and you pull it to the top and it's already tired so when you get it to the top it's going to do the death roll you know you've seen an alligator do the death roll and you just let it go cuz once it's done with that death roll it's spent you know it's all of its adrenaline is gone i mean the the, the alligator is is done i mean it's like a uh, uh a wet mop i mean it's just it's 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 spent and then you after that uh you put a noose on its mouth uh, it's a cable, cable noose on its mouth, and you put uh, electric tape on it. I know I'm going into detail with all this, but uh, you put electric tape on it, and then, you you know, you measure the alligator to make sure that it's one that you want to keep because with a tag, you get one alligator over seven feet, and you get one alligator under seven feet. So, like in this lake we hunt, I, I start watching these alligators like in March, you know, and we don't hunt them till August. So I know what we, I know how big they are. I know kind of where, which ones are which. I don't name them. I hadn't named them yet. I guess I need to start doing that. Um, you know, we we just, we just caught Fred. Um, but uh, anyway, you, you measure them then to see if that's the one you want to harvest um, because you don't want to, you know, get one eight feet and it be your big alligator when you know you got you know 11 12 feet alligators out there so you 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 might release them then uh but if you know it's one you want to keep then you you know put the tape on its mouth and and being a smaller lake we don't have to put the alligator in the boat so we keep it on the side of the boat till we get to the to the boat landing and then we've got winches we'll winch it up out of the water and throw it in the back of a side by side or a truck and take it home um but but yeah you, you actually you know. You actually, you know, shoot the alligator at, at when you decide to, to keep it. Right, you know, it's got a plate in the back of its head, and you have to uh, harvest it that way. Um, you know, with a 410 sawed-off shotgun is how we do it. We started with a bang stick, but it ricocheted a couple of times off the head, and you know, you don't want 45 bullets flying around because sometimes we'll have you know the primary boat and we'll have a uh, chase boat out there so a couple of boats with lights and stuff so um but but that's that's it and then you know we bring them in and usually the next day we'll pack them in ice that night and usually the next day I clean them and uh you know and and process the meat and I would
1: imagine having a uh, alligator on the other side of uh, a fishing rod is not like really a largemouth bass or even a catfish where it's like ooh, this is tough and then 60 seconds later you know you're having it up in the, in the boat for a picture like how long are these 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 fights with these alligators because i would imagine like you said they're already sitting at the bottom of the the lake and you know these are powerful animals so i mean are they just like sitting there with their body weight letting you drag them are they fighting it like are there people holding on to you because again these creatures are huge i mean they're multi-hundred pounds and many many feet long like what is that process like of the time that you've you know you've set the hook to the time where it's you know you you, like you said you have it alongside the boat i mean is it a long time is it a few minutes is it an hour multi-hours what
0: is that like we have you know we we've in the four years we've been hunting them we've harvested eight of them and uh a couple well I, i can tell you one of the smaller ones it was like a little over six feet it was our under seven foot we literally it took us 15 minutes um we put the boat in we turned the boat around to go out to the lake and shine the light saw some eyes it was about 30 yards away we got a little bit closer Threw the rod hooked it had it to the boat had it you know harvested in literally 15 minutes it took us longer to put the boat in than it did to to harvest the alligator um now you know we have also gotten one that was 11 feet seven or eight inches and it took us, you know, two and a half, three hours. Um, now, th- look, these animals are smart. I mean, they don't live to be di- – they're dinosaurs. I mean, they don't live to be as long as they are not being smart. So there's actually one alligator on our lake. We, we call him the Dark Knight. He is uh, – he does have a name. He's one that's got a name because he's, he's, pra- he's over 12 feet. I mean, he's huge. And we have had a hook in him literally three – no, four times. Four times we've had a hook in him. And he goes to the same area of the lake and there's a tree down in that area of the lake. And he swims to that tree and it's got a bunch of branches that are off of that. And he swims around those branches and he'll either pull the hook out, you know, the hook will catch one of those branches and pull out of him or he'll tangle up the line in those branches. And when that happens, you know, you, you end up cutting the line and, and not catching him. So, you know, it's not it's not as easy as it sounds. I know, you know, you kind of made it throw a hook, hook him, da da da. But you know, it, and it depends on the weather too. You know, you go out there and it's cool; they'll they're not active. You know, they're under the canopies of the trees. They're not out swimming around. Well, if they're not out swimming around, you can't really get to them when they're under the canopies, just sitting there. Um, so we found that if it's a good warm night, it's a full moon. They're very active you know because they can see better, they're out feeding, you know so there's they're swimming around and, and that's usually a really good time. But if it's a cool night, I um, mean we're talking you know the end of August first of September so you may have a little front come through and it cools off well they're, and they're not they're not active. they're not out swimming around and you know you're not gonna you're not gonna have a chance to get one so um, but to answer your question, yeah, it's been anywhere from two and a half to three hours. To 15 minutes so uh but i can tell you when you got a hook in one of those dudes it's it's a power that you have never felt before in your life i mean it is literally uh i can't even really put into words the, the power that you feel pulling that pole and you're trying to hang on to it and uh it's just it's amazing it really is
1: i know this is a bit of a loaded question and and i think for most people anything talking about the current day or even the last year is is typically a negative answer but what do you feel like the state of barbecue as a whole is in 2021 because i think one i guess i'll I'll set this up with knowing that the thing that i learned most about being in the barbecue industry for almost three years that i was in uh several years ago was that uh, if you live in the south today barbecue is top of mind for you or you know what it is but when you and I have been together at say a festival in Chicago, like it it is like this completely exciting thing for them. They never get to do it. Like the idea of country music and barbecue is like this, this foreign concept to them. It's huge. And so I think that I can't remember what the stat was, but I remember seeing it uh, when I worked in the barbecue space, but it was like nationally, I don't don't know. It's like 15 to 20% of, you know, America only has access to barbecue or something like that. So what do you feel like the state of barbecue in, in at least, america is in 2021 and i'll let you answer that however you want to
0: well I, I mean i think it's uh it's definitely in in good hands it is still there's a lot of excitement for it um barbecue is something that goes way back you know that's not going to go away covid's not going to make barbecue in a matter of fact in people's backyards it has thrived um with people staying home buying grills buying charcoal having good family time uh it has thrived during the covid uh time now barbecue with these festivals and everything i mean people are ready to go i mean people are ready to get out they're ready to go um they have to be careful of course um i've been to uh already this year to three or four festivals that that you know a couple were in texas that pretty wide open um and uh, uh, but the excitement's out there. I mean, the anticipation's going. On. You got Memphis in May right around the corner. Uh, you know, that's a big, big homecoming for everybody. And, and, you know, I've cooked Memphis in May, you know, 24 out of the last 26 years. So, it, it's a huge homecoming. It's something that's, you know, on the calendar every year. And I think it's going to be a, uh, uh, a monumental time because – People got it pin up. I mean, they've got. They want. They're ready to hug. They're ready to see their friends. They're ready to uh, fellowship. You know, as we always do at U Bonds, you know, ready to have be on the front porch. That's what we take anywhere we go. We take our front porch, and and you know, that's that's what Poppy always said. You know, you, you see U Bonds, you can come to us. You can have a drink with us. You can sit on our front porch. You can fellowship with us, and and, and that's that's we are ready. And I think not only us, but everybody's ready for that, and it's going to show this this first time. I say it's first time. It's going to be first time out for some some people. You know, Leslie and, and Heath and, and Jacob and, and Ellie, and you know the Scott family. It's going to be really their first strikeout to to from since COVID. So. Um, you know they're going to be ready to hug everybody, <laughs> and uh, and so yeah, I think I think uh, I think it's going to be really really good.
1: What do you think is this the big draw about barbecue? Because I, I, metaphorically speaking, and I hope that you would agree with this metaphor, and it's fine if you don't. But I almost relate barbecue to like street magic in the sense that someone can whip out a, a deck of cards, something that's relatable to everyone. We've all seen a deck of cards, and we're like. I, I think I could do that trick, but then the second that they do it, it's like, wait, how the heck did they do that? And, and I think the barbecue is such a, an interesting food niche category in the sense that it, it feels so approachable to make ribs. It feels so approachable to do wings, but yet when you have food from people like you, from Ubon's, from Sugarfire, from all these different amazing people, Malcolm, all these people in our lives, it's like, there's something so special it's like this hidden ingredient and i don't know if this just it it speaks to our origins of a human race of kind of that idea of just like the back to the like cooking over the coals or like there's this element of like fire or it's even that subconsciously or consciously we all understand that like hey it took 10 hours to make this brisket this isn't you know a big mac from mcdonald's that was just heated up i don't know if that's it but what do you feel like it is that I just feel like that there's such this special thing about barbecue, about everyone wants to come around and watch. People want to understand how you're doing it. They want to ask questions. It's generally a positive experience. It's it's different from a lot of, of food categories, I feel like, in my opinion. So what do you yeah. think that is?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, barbecue is is, there's a whole lot more to it than what people understand and realize um it's uh we you know we do event in new orleans you know hogs for the cause and it was it was pretty wild the first time we were there um you know we were over there you know prepping a whole hog we were we were kind of doing our thing and we looked up and we see you know these people watching us and you know there was like 15 people watching us well like three of those 15 people were like james beard chefs like award-winning chefs from new orleans well, they were interested in what we were doing because, you know, it's 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 an art, it's a craft, it's something that we have mastered in in that space where they didn't they, they didn't understand well they understand it but they wanted to learn. They want to learn more about it. And uh, and because it's something that that's been handed down for generations. Um, you know, a lot of really good chefs they have original recipes, but a lot of barbecue is something that's generational, it's something that's been, been handed down from from grandfathers grandmothers to mothers to grand you know it's just generational thing but and you you hit on it when you were asking the question too is you know we're not we're not burning hamburgers you know it's uh you know if I cook a whole hog for somebody it's usually a 24 hour it's a it's a full day dedication that I'm putting into that hog to make it special to whomever that's going to eat it um and uh so I'm 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 putting my, my heart and soul in it. I, I mean, you know, and I, and you hear, it and it's kind of cliche that, you know, you put love in what you're doing and, and that's a lot of it. I mean, they're, they're putting their heart and soul, they're putting love into it and, uh, and they're making it an experience for somebody. Um, it's just not something that, you know, you're eating, that's filling your belly. You know, it's actually a, an experience that you're having and uh and you, we see that more and more as we travel the country and we we take our our barbecue to to people you know from New York to you know coast to coast you know and uh um they they feel that you know they they feel that that uh that love we're putting into it and and that we're making that dedication and you know we we are true to our craft i mean you know we're really really pouring our heart into what we're doing so and i think that resonates to the people that that eat our food and that that uh, uh that ha- are a part of our experience so i think that's what you what you're doing
1: do you ever feel like you get bored with what you're doing and, and only because i know we we actually kind of talked not specifically about that angle of it but we talked about a dinner like how many different ways can you really cook a chicken or how many different ways can you really cook a, you know, a brisket or, or ribs? And yet, you know, you're 20 plus years and still going strong in this, in, in this kind of category. So what is the future of, of barbecue look like? Is it more of expanding, you know, you've touched on like alligator, it's, it's exotics. Is it just an improvement of things that have already been done? Like new recipes, new techniques, like, is it this just constant, for, for you, is it this pursuit of trying to put out the best brisket, chicken, ribs, whole hog, whatever it is, and knowing it's it's a it's a long, it's a marathon, not a sprint of just little by little. You're learning from each cook. Like, what is it about barbecue that keeps you coming back every day and, and it's not like, oh, shit, like here's just another whole hog or here's just another brisket?
0: Yeah, well, you, you know, there again in your question, you, you did hit on it uh, a bit. That you never quit learning. You never quit learning in life. You never quit learning in cooking. You never quit learning in barbecue because somebody's always doing something different. And it's always, you know, cool to see what they're doing and how they do it. And, you know, you might translate it into what you're doing. You might tweak something. You might do something a little different. You're like, hey, you know, that's cool. He does it this way. You know, I want to do it that way. Um, So you never quit learning. And uh, because there's always, uh, you know, different techniques and, and things like that. You know, I've over the years, you know, I I, I, can, I can cook whole hog about five different ways. You know, but the reason that is is because I have been around people that cook them five different ways. I've paid attention to how they do it. I've I've watched them multiple times. You know, I've actually helped them multiple times. I've had my hands on it. Um, and uh, and and you know, that's just making yourself better in what you do, making you more of a master of your craft. And, and yeah, there's, there's, you know, there's a hundred different thousand different ways to cook a chicken, you know, but, uh, you know, I may only know a hundred, but I'd like to know a thousand different ways. Um, but, uh, and that's, that's pretty cool about traveling the country and, and kind of doing recipes with people. And, you know, I've, I've over the last two or three years really, really learned how to cook a killer brisket because, I've been making trips to Texas. I've been cooking with some guys out there that are just unbelievable brisket cooks. Well, I really didn't. Yeah, I was a pork guy, you know. It's Mississippi. You know, MBN is what I competed in. All we cooked was pork. We cooked ribs. We cooked shoulder. We cooked whole hog. Um, so I didn't cook a lot of brisket. But you know, I didn't have that that uh, that bullet in my belt. And but now, after you know, going and learning from those guys and paying attention how they do it. I got a big bullet in my belt now, and, and I can pull it out any time. So, yeah, it's it's that learning. It's that um, – but, I mean, you know, along the way, you're, you're making more friends. And, and I tell you, in the last couple of few years, uh, SCA has become really big, and that's the Steak Cooking Association. Um, and I've been to several of those events over the last couple of years, and, and uh, you know, there's there's an art to cooking a steak, you know, to a competition steak. Um, so – I've uh, learned that that's something i, I didn't do that we didn't have that when i was really competing i don't really compete a whole lot anymore um so you know it's just and that's a whole nother uh culture out there that steak cooking is is and they're really uh they're really booming right now i mean it's really taking off um you know but they it doesn't take as much time <laughs> you know you're cooking a uh, 15, 20-minute steak, or you can have a, you know, 24-hour whole hog. So, and it's a whole lot less cost. And, you know, the prize money is pretty good, too. So, you know, I've learned about that. And uh, um, so, yeah, you just never quit learning. And that, that pursuit of always wanting to learn and always wanting to uh, uh, figure out what somebody's doing uh, that is it's different from you. And that's what I always tell people when I, when I tell them about barbecue or I'm teaching a class. You know, I may tell you how to do something, and I'm not saying it's the right way to do it. I'm just telling you it's the way I do it, and it works for me. And uh, and, and it makes my family happy when I do it this way because, you know, they're, they're all smiles. And uh, um, But I'm not saying because you don't do it that way or somebody else doesn't do it that way that it's wrong. It's just different. It's not wrong you know, there's there's really no, the, really the wrong way to do barbecue is not do it at all. You know, you don't try.
1: I, I, and again, I know this is like a super loaded question and it's definitely a case by case basis, but you talked about kind of this idea of, you know, you continually learning. It's a, uh, a learning process. It's going to Texas. It's going to these different places. It's, it's literally like going across the world and seeing different cultures and different people cook things and, and taking tidbits from them and applying it to your own process. But When it comes down to it, like, what is really the biggest difference between you and the next guy that's cooking the same protein? Is it time? Is it temperature? Is it the fuel? Is it the seasoning? Is it like, like, what is it? And again, I know there may not be a a blanket answer. You know, I I don't know what the answer is to your question. Well, the
0: answer is there's no difference. There's absolutely no difference. Um, There may be a as long as you your end result, your final product. Is the way you want it, no matter if you cook it hot and fast or low and slow, you have a dry rib, wet rib, you know, you have a uh, smoked chicken, fried chicken, What you know, whatever. As long as the end result is what you're happy with and what you're satisfied with and is what you want to feed somebody and make them happy with, there's no difference. Do you feel like that that's actually probably,
1: now that we're talking about it out loud, one of the things that makes barbecue so unique is that it almost feels like it's this it's not even like it feels like because it actually is like this handcrafted I Eric I Craig kind of put my own signature on this dish this protein this cook and everyone sitting at the table or on the other side of this cook whether it be a judge whether it be my family whether it be the person I'm trying to oppress my tailgate that it like appeals to these people because they almost know that it's like hand cooked that it's not just hey i popped this in the microwave for this or i just threw it in the oven i didn't touch it but i actually like physically rotated it i stood over it i guarded it i kind of made this dish from the ground up do you think that's an element to i i just wonder in this culture or at least as a millennial myself that celebrates this whole like we want everything to be handmade and be able to trace the sources and know where it comes from. And we celebrate creativity over kind of this stagnant, you know, just cookie cutter mold of whatever it is, financial services, government, all these aspects of life. Like, I'm just curious. Like I think thinking back on it of like different food, I mean, yeah, I guess if you could bake something that's a similar sense, but I feel like there's just so much also error when you el- when you add like a flame or fire element to it, that it's almost even subconsciously like, whoa. Like he cooked the steak or oh he cooked this brisket
0: yeah and it's always you know managing the fire is a part of the process and but even with that Eric, you know we we've got the 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 pellet smokers now you know you, we've got the traditional people that also uh you know are, are stick burners so to speak or even put the the center blocks out and put a hog on it, you know, and, 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 you know, burn real wood down and shovel coals. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's that product and how you get it done. And if you're happy with it, uh, it's, and it's the effort you put into it. I mean, yeah, things are easier now. I mean, you, you got pellet smokers with Wi-Fi and you can, you can start it, you know, with your cell phone, you can, you know, you get it hotter with your cell phone. You can get it cooler with your cell phone. You can look at, you know, what temperature the grill is, and and but you know, I respect somebody that does that just as much because they're putting forth an effort. You know, they're wanting, they're wanting to cook. They're wanting to provide food for themselves or their family or what have you. It doesn't matter how they do it. You know, whether it's a you know burning wood down in a barrel or they're you know turning on a a, a pellet smoker with their cell phone you know it's what they choose to do and how they do it you know who's to judge but they're making that effort you know that's beats the heck out of somebody's laying on the couch and you know ordering dominoes um which i ordered dominoes last night i guess i should say that um (laughs) but uh but yeah and i mean you know technology is is you embrace it and, and and use it i mean i got three pellet smokers now um you know so uh it's just a, a time where it's convenient and you're going to use them. But, you know, I can get a product off that pellet smoker. It's pretty damn good. and uh, But it's just all in what somebody wants to do and how they want to do it. But the main thing is they do it. What has been the impact of social media
1: on barbecue? Do you feel like it's helped people? Has it hurt people? Has it created more drama? Like what has been the impact of social media and kind of all these personalities in the barbecue space now having online brands?
0: Well, it, um, gosh, there's so many ways we could go with that question. You know, it, it's so many ways, uh, you know, being old school, uh, and coming up the way I did, uh, I, it took me a long time before I even considered myself a pitmaster. Um I had people like Mike mills. I had people like uh you know gary Roark I had people like Pat Burke um there was people out there, and I know I'm forgetting some great names that I'm not mentioning right now, but there were some people out there that that I looked up to that I knew i couldn't i couldn't you know hold their their charcoal bucket and uh but now with with social media and everything, everybody immediately is a pit master, <laughs> you know, everybody that's got a grill or a smoker is a pit master. And, uh, but they don't understand, you know, I guess in my mind, what that entails. Uh, but it, you know, it, it's, it's affected it positively. in the fact that there's a lot of great content out there, a lot of great recipes, you, you, you're exposed to a lot more food. You're exposed to food around the world And it's been really cool for me, um, because I've been able to keep in touch with people all over the world, you know, that cook barbecue. Um, there's, there's very few days that go by that I'm not messaging with somebody or getting a message from somebody that, that may be in Australia or they may be in England or they may be in Germany, you know, all over the world. And, and with social media being able to, to keep you in contact like that, that's really cool. Um, because, you you know, if you were just cooking in your backyard or you're just doing local contests, you never would get to know somebody like that or have a relationship with them uh, where you, they can ask you questions or you can ask them questions. So that part of it's been really, really cool. Um, I, I've enjoyed social media. And for several years, I, I did the Houston Livestock and Rodeo, and I cooked in the, uh, the international section with a team from England. Um, and, uh, and so I met all these people you were there you know you remember we filmed there and that was that was an awesome deal you did by the way and we cooked those steaks there we cooked steaks with a team from australia and uh and it was through social media you know i met those guys the year before and i knew they they were talking about bringing these steaks and and wanting to do this big cooking and so i just reached out to them i said hey i got a charcoal company i'm an ambassador for i said let's cook these steaks with this charcoal and do some do some uh, filming and let's blow this thing up. And it did, you know, it was, it was awesome. But in that international section, I've gotten to know people from Austria and Mexico and Brazil and Australia and, and all over, but in social media has allowed me to keep up with those people and contact with those people for years after we've left there. And, and, so, I love it. I mean, uh, it, it now it is a job. <laughs> um, it is part of my job with Royal Oak being the marketing coordinator and uh um but also being, you know, brand ambassador and, and uh but, you know, it does have its other side. You know, you got your keyboard cops that, you know, want to uh want to chastise you sometimes because, you know, you they may think your your uh, smoked chicken is because it's pink from the smoke is underdone and they you know they wanna jump on you and and say bad things or what what have you but you know you've you've got that out there too so uh that's that's the negative side of it but it's got a lot more positives than negatives
1: i think one of the things that i've always struggled with is trying to live outside the box that people want to put around me of putting a label on me of what do i do am i you know eric savage is a photographer he's a content creator he's a videographer he's was the marketing guy Royal Oak. He's uh starts his own company. He does whatever. And well, I guess kind of what I'm laying down uh, the preface to the question. I want to ask you is like, what, what is your end goal? Like what does success look like for you? Because I think that people could look at you now and they say, well, he doesn't have, you know, a, a, a product. He doesn't have spices. He doesn't have a sauce thing. He doesn't have this. Like, what do you feel like is that box that people try to put you around you and label you as but also like what is that end goal for you look like if you do have an end goal for where you want this to go because again i think that anyone listening to this that doesn't know you you know let's just assume that anyone that passionately talks about food oh they must want to own a restaurant or they must want to do this and this but i think that you have so many different lanes or avenues you can go down because you're so talented and you have your feet in many places smartly so by the way so I'm just curious like what does that end goal look like for you
0: first and foremost I feel like if it all ends today I've been successful um, so it, the the end goal if if is right now I mean you know it, it's it's I like where I am uh, yeah I, I'm gonna make sure it does go further and uh, um, you know just be a positive impact um, and, and really work hard in my craft be known for for somebody that uh, you know, uh, that you know, younger generation looks up to also that that wants to you know be a part of the the cooking and and do that. Uh, you know, I don't have products right now. We talked about that earlier. Uh, you know, with my job with Royal Oak, I'm able to uh, I'm able to promote other people and their products and and uh, you know that that because that is their goal. They want their product to be successful and 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 I, I'd like to help them do that. And do whatever I can to help them do that because that's this one thing about our sponsor program. I, I call it a, a partnership. You know, it's not a one way; it's a two way street. I want to help our sponsor teams as much as they help us. Um, but you know, you know, just down the road, using my brand more and more uh, as as uh, you know, make appearances and things like that. Uh, I, I don't know if I will go into retail um that's that's just a whole nother world that's that's a whole nother uh headache (laughs) so to speak um there may be products or something that that we look at here probably pretty soon um but you know have fun with it you know if you're not having fun it's it's not worth doing um and you know if you start if you start having too many avenues to drive you end up not going down any of them uh you end up you know at that crossroad and trying to figure out which one to go down so you can't overthink it um, just go day by day and uh, but but I always do have in the back of my mind where I want things to go and and uh, and the more people I meet and the more uh, the more dots I connect um, you know and I'm also a big believer in good things happen to good people so if you keep being good people good things are gonna happen and, and uh, so Uh, I guess you got a great feeling that things, good things are going to happen.
1: So last question of the podcast, uh, the podcast that we're on right now is called the no more zero days podcast. And a zero day is where you get nothing done towards accomplishing your goal, your dream, be it in barbecue, be it that you want to lose weight. You want to have financial freedom. You want to get in a relationship, whatever that goal is out there. And it's uh, the idea of that was really through me failing in life of living in kind of this either zero or a hundred mentality where we're either doing this is the best day ever. I got up at five A.M. and I stayed up till midnight, constantly working my goal, or I was in this zero day where nothing was done. You know, I wasn't eating the foods I needed to. I wasn't doing the work I was into. I was playing video games all day. I was watching a movie. I was slacking off. And what I really learned is that the danger of that mindset of either being a hero or a zero today is that in the long scale long term it, you really are capping yourself of what your potential could be and rather trying to implement this mindset of like living somewhere between zero and 100 each day and so it's the sense that like it's doing something little or huge each day because those little wins are contagious you know on a zero to 100 scale it's today might be a five tomorrow's a 15 the next day's a 50 and then we're back down to a three but at least we're slowly moving the ball forward so over the next days weeks and months you look back and you're like wow like yeah, I didn't accomplish everything I wanted to last week, but I did get something done. So all that to say is I ask every guest this, the same question, what advice would you give to someone that you feel like, and be that through a personal story, through just your own POV, what advice would you give to someone that's kind of stuck in that zero day mentality of like, there's something they're aspiring to be. Maybe it's they're from somewhere in Mississippi and they feel like, well, if I would have grown up in Nashville or New York or Chicago, I would be a great pit master by now where they're, you know, they're falling to all these excuses rather than stepping into who they've been created to be. So what would you
0: say to that person? Quit making excuses. You know, it's, uh, you're in control of what you do. You're, you, you know, at the end of the day, it comes back on you. You can, you can look around and try to blame him, blame her, blame this, blame that, but you're in control of every day. And you're in control of your happiness. And uh, if you want to have a zero day, well, I mean, you're in control of that. If you want to have a hundred day, you know, percent day, you're in control of that, too. So just know that, uh, you know, and nobody said life was going to be fair. Um, so you, you got to know that it's going to be a roller coaster. But you just got to, you know, you got to take the, the downs with the ups and just keep yourself level. And, uh, and, and just enjoy life as short. It's very short So Enjoy every day